God bless you, ladies. And thank you so much for tuning back in for the second half of Proverbs 6. Today we're going to be looking at a warning against adultery. Specifically, camping today at verses 20 through 35. Again, thank you so much for joining me for the second half at this most powerful warning that the Lord gives us about something that is very painful, something that I think all of us at some point in our life can identify with. Yet when we stand on God's word and recognize that he gives us all the tools we need to first recognize, be warned against, be told of its consequence, and above anything else, how to seek recompense from him for it. The word becomes alive. We can apply it to our lives in a very powerful way. So get comfortable, grab your Bible, and turn with me to Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 20. Let's get started. Proverbs 6, verse 20. This is a warning against adultery. When we begin, I want you to posture your heart in such a way that, yes, this can be a very difficult and painful subject of adultery in the traditional sense. When we think of adultery being defined as when a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony and one or the other or both break the covenant with God, break the covenant with each other and step out on that marriage and being with someone else while they're still married. And we think about the concept of adultery in these terms often because that is what God so hates, right? He hates a a lying tongue, a deceiving tongue. And when we participate in adultery, that's exactly what we are participating in, a lie. We are participating in the lie of the enemy what they're whispering in our ear that this other individual can provide us that the one that we stood before God and man and committed our lives to and our hearts to and our devotion to maybe no longer provides or never provided it in the first place so now suddenly the grass is greener listen I'm I'm speaking from a position of of experience I've been both the one that has been cheated upon and I have been both the cheater. And adultery hits deep. 
and it hits in a different way. But our God is a faithful God and he is a God of recompense and he is a God of restoration. And we're going to talk about the sin of adultery. But I also want you to position your hearts and posture your hearts to hear the word adultery as something that we all experience in one shape or another. And here's what that here's what that definition of adultery may look like. That when we place anything that is not of God above God, whether it's an adoration for a person, place, or thing, a hobby, a ministry, another person, um, uh, uh, proclivity, an addiction, anything at all that comes before God puts us in a position of being an adulteress. Over and over again, we hear about the adulterous nation of Israel. We hear so much about the adulterous nations of old, about how they worshipped other gods, both in the physical form and the spiritual form. How quickly we can identify the wrong in that. But says, today I'm going to ask you to open up your heart to what in your life needs to be taken inventory and removed from being in an adulterous position. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit rests within these words. Your spirit rests, O God, even in this hour as we come together, dear Lord, and we open up your word to understand adultery, to hear the conviction of heart that we should all have, to hear, O God, what your promises and your warnings are for sinning. Lord, I pray that anyone within the sound of my voice come to a place of holy conviction, no matter what that looks like, a place of greater understanding, a greater revelation, O God, of what it is you've called them to live a life that is pure, a life that is sanctified, even now. And we thank you, O God, for that you always give us a way out. You always give us, oh God, an avenue to repent, to be saved, to be forgiven, to be loved back into restoration and healing. And as we explore your word today, dear God, have this ruminate in our soul in a very positive way. We yield to you We bless your name, and we thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Verse 20. My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is is a light. 
he tells us here quite <laughs> quite plainly that we're to keep our father's command and not to forsake our mother's teaching. I recall very very transparently that there are things that I learned specifically from my father, things that were good and things that were not so good. I remember my mother whispering firm teaching. Sometimes it came from a place of pain, a place of anguish, a place of having lived it, been there, done that. And then also from a place of regret where she wished that she had learned that lesson even sooner. When we think about our Father's command, it is the Lord who is our Father. And we have an entire Bible filled with commands, do we not? And the Lord Jesus always reminds us that if we stay true to our God and we put His decrees in His, and His, we seek first His righteousness, that in that, he will give us the desires of our heart. So therein lies the motivation, right? Looking at verse 21, bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. There's more action. Binding something and fastening something reminds me of not placing something in your heart or placing something upon you that can easily be shaken off, can easily be moved. When something is bound and something is fastened, it's less likely to become loosened. It's not shakable. When we walk, they guide us. When they we sleep, it'll watch over us. When we awake, it will speak to us. His word is alive enough to always be available to guide us, always being available to watch over us, and always being able to speak life, not death, over each one of us. And when we look at verse 23, for this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, there's a reference here to Psalm 19.8. Psalm 19.8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Have you ever, you have that friend, that one friend that you say, Hey girl, how's it going? And maybe you're on a video chat and they look at you or you go and you sit down, you have coffee with them and they say, So tell me what's really wrong. Tell me what's going on girl, you're not okay. I can see it in your eyes. Because the light of truth shines through our eyes. The joy and happiness of the Lord can be seen on our face. Being radiant with his presence, being lighthearted in joy, not being bogged down or bound, if you would, by troubles. His light shines through us, does it not? For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. 
So that tells me that if I am to stay close to the Lord and I am to stay close to his teachings and I'm to stay close to all that he has for me, that my light will continue to shine. It goes on. The correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. In our case, it could be a wayward man as well. Receiving compliments from someone or feeling really different when you're in someone else's presence other than the one that you've committed to. We have to be cautious, says. We have to be cautious that we don't entertain the wagging tongue. And that goes even with hobbies and things that we do that edify us and make us feel great, make us feel, wow, I'm on top of the world and I don't want this feeling to stop. It becomes something that you chase after. It could be something in the synthetic world. It could be something in the real world. But we chase it because it makes us feel a certain way. And unbeknowing, we make it a little G, a God, a little G God. We must be careful. Verse 25, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Because anything in life that can pull you away from your God doesn't have to be expensive. It could be cheap. A prostitute of any kind can be cheap. And that's what it's referring to here. It's warning you as well that being close to another woman's husband can prey on your very life because it will actually devour your life as it devoured mine. When we look at verses 27 and 28, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Playing with fire gets you burned, period. So we know that when we are delving into something foolish, we are delving into something that pulls us away from the very God who has helped us be delivered from so much that we have a higher chance of getting burned. Burned in a way that, yes, the wounds will heal, but the scars will last a long time. 29, so is he who sleeps with another man's wife or she who sleeps with another woman's husband. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Because, it, see, it's not just about the damage that we do to a marriage or the damage that happens to our relationship with God when we allow something to come in His place. 
It's about all of those that are impacted by the choices that we make. I recently gave testimony regarding a portion of my past. And that portion of my past related to adultery. And it related to the hearts that were broken because of my choices. Now, obviously, I wasn't alone in those choices. But whether those choices were discovered immediately or they were discovered later, the pain is still the same. The impact of lives is far-reaching. Not only the lives of those spouses, not only my life that was damaged by my spouse's infidelity, but also the lives of our children, our children's children, and lineages. If we're not careful, we begin a stronghold that doesn't remove itself from the lineage that we've created. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. See, there's a justification. Yet if he's caught, he must pay sevenfold. Though it cost him all of the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. So here he uses the terminology. If he's caught, he must pay sevenfold. That comes from Exodus 22 verses 1 through 14, where it talks about the repayment of sin. The restitution that is to be paid to the community, to the one in which you offended, etc. A restitution, by definition, means the restoration of something lost or stolen to its proper owner. A recompense for injury or loss, or the restoration of something back to its original state. Restitution. When we think about what Jesus did for us, did he not pay the ultimate restitution? Did he not yield his body? in place of ours? Did he not yield compensation for all of our injury that maybe we've caused? And being the perfect unblemished sacrifice allows us all to be returned to our original state as God first intended in the garden. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. Verse 33. Verse 34. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will Refuse a bribe, a bribe, however great it is. When we look at these words, I want you to think about our God. 
are gracious, loving, slow to anger. God. Knowing that when we arouse his fury, that he will show no mercy. He will not accept any compensation or bribe by our human hands. He only accepts repentance and obedience. Since the longer we take a look at just these few verses in Proverbs 6, and as we conclude this podcast for today, go back over it and really sincerely think about what is it that we may be placing before God in an adulterous manner. Something that keeps us from our God-fulfilled purpose and honoring Him and honor all that He's done for us. And if this resonates with you through the earthly sense of being a victim of adultery, I'm sorry. Let me be the first to apologize to you that I'm truly sorry that you had to go through what you had to go through. I'm sorry of the pain. I'm sorry of the relentless memories. I'm sorry of those things and those wounds that were so deep. But sis, I'm here to tell you that there's hope and that there is recompense and that there is restoration found in Christ. He is the God that saves and nothing, nothing ever happens to you that does not fulfill his most good and perfect will for your life eventually because he uses all things, all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to to his purpose are you willing to go there with him are you willing to see the good are you willing to see that he has something better for you are you willing to see it trust me trust me if you can there was a lot of damage done both to me and from me and I see it I'm able to speak about it today in hopes of helping someone else and in hopes of aligning with you yes something horrible happened out of it all yes I see it but there was damage There was damage already done. There was damage already done. And this was a matter of highlighting it. And this was a matter of seeing it for what it truly was. An opportunity for everyone involved to get healed in one way or another. And from it I can see blessing. 
I can. Years later. Not when I was in the middle of it. That's where the hope comes in. That's where the faith comes in. Because faith is evidence of things hoped for. Remember? Evidence of things hoped for. What we cannot see, we have to trust that the Lord God is faithful. We have to trust that he will show us in time what it means to have this faith, to have this hope, and to wait on it and wait on him faithfully. We have confidence for this thing that we have such assurance for. We have confidence in what we hope for. We have confidence in this thing that we do not see. That is the definition of faith. And with faith, we strive forward through the pain of adultery, whether it's happened to us or from us. And we establish hope in Jesus. We establish hope in Him. I love you, and I pray God's blessing over you, and I pray His face will continue to shine upon you. Thanks for joining today.